The reading this morning is in three parts. Uh, Revelation 17, uh, verses 1 to 6, and then verse 1 of chapter 18 to verse 8, and then verse 21 to chapter 19. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand, filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. Now, verse 1, chapter 18. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Pour her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit enthroned as queen, I am not a widow, I will never mourn. Therefore in one day her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. Verse 21. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, With such violence the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. The music of harpists and musicians, pipers and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No worker of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants were the world's important people. By your magic spell all the nations were led astray. In her was found the blood of prophets and of God's holy people of all who have been slaughtered on the earth. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up for ever and ever.
The twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Thanks, Gary. Good morning, everyone. Let's pray, shall we, as we come to God's word. Father in heaven, as we settle our hearts now and as we think about your word to us, please help us not just to learn things about you, to understand the concepts that are before us, but help us to learn to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength and with all of our mind. And we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I've never been to the city itself, but it's a, it's a sad reality that Amsterdam is probably most famous not for its canals and its waterways and its quirky little coffee shops and all the attractive parts of culture that no doubt it has, but it's probably most famous for its red light districts and its liberal attitude towards sex. By all accounts, prostitution is so prevalent and so accepted that you can walk down streets where shops are lining those streets and in the shop windows are women on full display bearing their all in an attempt to lure in the passerby. And of course it's successful. Many are drawn into that world and it is a world which many do not disengage from. They're drawn in with the promise of pleasure, with a promise of gratification. But of course in the end it is an empty promise. In the end, it brings great ruin to them and to others. Well, here in Revelation chapter 17, we're introduced to a prostitute whose aim it is to lead the whole world astray and bring it to eternal ruin. And in verse 5, look how she's identified in verse 5 as Babylon the Great. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. Some name tag, isn't it? Some ID badge to have rattling around your neck. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes. And you see in that verse, in verse 5, there are two pictures that then go on to dominate the next three chapters of Revelation. Firstly, the picture of Babylon. This great city which is symbolic of a godless world order. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 11 and the Tower of Babel. Where proud people set themselves up in opposition against God. And then secondly the prostitute. A persuasive lady who is who is seducing this world and leading people astray from Jesus. And as we'll see, these two pictures are one and the same thing. The prostitute is Babylon. 
Babylon is the prostitute. Have a look down at chapter 17, verse 4. Here's our description of the prostitute. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. Keep your finger in that verse and now flip to chapter 18, verse 16, where we hear a description of Babylon. Woe. Woe to you, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. It's the same description because they are two pictures of the same thing. And it's made even clearer for us in chapter 17, verse 18. It's there explicitly. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. You see, together, Babylon and the prostitute represent a powerful Babylon and a persuasive prostitute's world order that is opposed to God. And that is the world that we live in today. And that's why we finished last week with this call to active duty. Do you remember the words of the Lord Jesus? Chapter 16, verse 15, right in the heat of that spiritual battle as these enemies stand together in opposition against God. So the voice of Jesus calls, blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Blessed is the one who stays awake spiritually. Blessed is the one who understands something of this godless culture in which we live. And like the good soldier will be on guard, both to the power of Babylon and to the persuasive nature of this prostitute. And there's three headings I've got for us this morning. As we think about the nature of of Babylon, what Babylon is really like, and as we think then about the response of the church, how the church lives in a Babylon like world. Firstly, Babylon unmasked. My favorite cartoon, Scooby-Doo, without doubt, legendary cartoon. Even though every episode is pretty much the same, starts in some sort of eerie hotel and there's somebody dressed up in a ghost outfit or a monster outfit that is chasing away the punters. First five minutes, they chase around Shaggy and Scooby and co. Then, of course, in the end, they capture this ghost And there's a lovely moment that comes at the end of every single episode when the mask is taken off and we get to see who the baddie really is. Well, for the next few minutes, I want to unmask Babylon for us. I want to help us understand from God's word the true nature of Babylon. I want to help us understand from God's word just how evil and destructive is the prostitute. So that like the good soldier on active duty, we would be on guard to the evil schemes of Satan. Notice firstly how attractive she is, verse 4. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. See, at first glance, she's beautiful. She's attractive to the eye. And do you see what that attraction leads to in verse 2? With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery. And the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Just like the prostitutes in Amsterdam, on full display, flaunting themselves before this world. That's what the many waters represent in verse 1. And sadly, 
many are overcome with her seductions, intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Look again at verse 4, the second part of it. She held a golden cup in her hand, filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. You see, just like at first glance, the, the prostitute looks good, she's attractive, so does the cup. It's gold, it's glittering, it promises so much. But when you get a bit closer, you be, when you look a little bit more carefully at this cup and what's in this cup, you begin to see what it contains. It is a cup that is full of poison, detestable things, the filth of her adulteries. You see, what's in view here is, is spiritual adultery. It's a familiar picture throughout the Old Testament. The nation of Israel, instead of remaining loyal and faithful to their covenant God, instead of giving themselves fully to the one true living God, they went behind his back. They gave themselves instead to the things of this world, lusting after false pleasures. Things of false gain. And you may ask, why? Why? Why do they do that? Why do we do this when, when God is so gloriously sufficient? Why would we go anywhere else to find our joy and our satisfaction in life? Well, the answer is there in verse 4. Because at first glance, the world is attractive. The prostitute is persuasive, enticing people in with the, with the false promise of popularity, of pleasure, and of profit. And you know what? It's all around us. The voice of the prostitute is everywhere. It's on the adverts, on television, the things that pop up on YouTube. It's in our schools. It's in our media. It's on social media. It is infiltrated throughout culture. Everywhere we go, the persuasive voice of the prostitute is whispering in our ear, drink. And she holds out this cup and it looks good. And she says, drink and you'll be satisfied. If you don't, You'll miss out. But of course, it's all lies. In the end, the prostitute will not satisfy. Only God can do that. The prostitute will lead to eternal ruin. Have a look again at verse 6. Because this is where the mask is really taken off, isn't it? Verse 6. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people. The blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. She's drunk. She is uncontrollably carried away with destructive tendencies. And who is she out to destroy? God's holy people. Those who bear witness to Jesus. She is out to destroy the church. And if you're a Christian here today, she's out to destroy you. And so before we listen to the lies of the world, before we're seduced by the false promises of popularity and pleasure and profit, please take a closer look at the cup that she's holding. It might look good, but it's full of poison. And it will lead people to eternal ruin. Be wary of the prostitutes and be wary of the beast on which she rides, verse 3. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. It's not quite a Disney princess, is it, on a white stallion? 
Here we've got a prostitute sitting on a beast. It's the same beast that we've already read about in chapter 13, a picture of satanic power and authority. The seven heads speak of authority. The ten horns speak of power. And this beast carries around this woman promoting her adulterous works. So who is the beast? Well, without doubt, the original readers in in the first century would have connected this beast with Rome. Have a look at verse 9. This calls for a mind of wisdom. We need to think about these things. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. Rome was a city built on seven hills. And the original recipients of this letter would have been all too familiar with the beastly, oppressive, powerful, persuasive rule of Rome. A rule which did its very best to squeeze the life out of the early church. But of course, this isn't just a picture of Rome in the first century. This is a picture of the UK in the 21st century. We live in an increasingly secular, liberal and permissive society which is seeking to squeeze the life out of the gospel. Moving further and further and further away from the loving rule of God. But do you know what this so-called progressive society has delivered? I'll tell you what it's delivered. Loneliness, emptiness, marital breakdown, family breakdown, chaos, pain. It is delivered an absolute mess. And you see, any society that is built upon principles that are contrary to the word of God will the end collapse into chaos. It's not what the prostitute promises. It's not. But it is what she delivers. And the Lord Jesus says something very similar in John chapter 10, verse 10. You'll be familiar, no doubt, with this verse. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come, says Jesus, that you might have life and life in all its fullness. The thief, of course, is Satan. And any seductive means that Satan chooses to use. And what does the thief do? Steal. The thief takes life. The thief destroys life. The thief kills life. It's the prostitute. Yet Jesus, on the other hand, left heaven and came into this world for our sake to give life and life in all its fullness. And so if you really want the good life, the good life that God offers, you've got to ask yourself the question, to to whom am I going to go? To whom am I going to listen? The seductive whispers of the prostitutes or the gracious, loving, saving words of the Lord Jesus? Firstly, Babylon has been unmasked for the terrible foe that it is. Secondly, though, Babylon will be destroyed. Have a look at chapter 18, verse 1 and 2. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. In contrast to the seductive whisper of the woman, here we have an unmissable message from heaven. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Babylon will fall. The day is coming when proud Babylon will be put down once and for all. 
Have a look at the picture in verse 21. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, with such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. You drop a boulder into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, it's going to go down and it's going to hit the bottom and it's not coming back again. It's a picture taken from Jeremiah chapter 51 describing the the fall of physical Babylon in 539 BC. But here in Revelation, the same picture is used to describe the downfall of spiritual Babylon. This godless world order in which we live will be put down, never to rise again. And when Babylon is destroyed... When the persuasive whisper of the prostitute in our ear is no more, when it is gone, it will be a cause of great mourning for some, and it will be a cause of great joy for others. Have a look at chapter 18, verse 9 and 10. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, Woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon. In one hour, your doom has come. But it's not just the kings of this earth who who share in her luxuries that weep, but the merchants and the seafarers who share in her riches. Look at verse 15 onwards. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and mourn and cry out, Woe, woe to you, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. It is a picture of all those who will benefit from the ungodly rule of Babylon. And they will mourn at her demise. But in contrast to those people, there will be great rejoicing for those who know and love the Lord Jesus. Have a look at chapter 19, verse 1. After this, I, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting. So that same multitude that we saw last week, those who have stood beside the glass sea that surrounds the throne in heaven, those who are now safe on the other side. And they're rejoicing in the final victory of the Lord Jesus. Look at what they shout. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitutes who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. This isn't a picture of Christians gloating at the hardship of others. This is a picture of persecuted believers who are now safe with the Lord in heaven, rejoicing in the full and final victory of God, the justice of God that we spoke about last week. But it's still hard to sing, isn't it? To sing about the destruction of the ungodly? One song I've always found hard to sing or a particular line in a song comes from O Church Arise, come see the cross where love and mercy meets as the Son of God is stricken. Then see his, his foes lie crushed beneath his feet for the conqueror has risen. 
Part of me rejoices in that because it speaks of the day when evil will be fully eradicated from this world and that makes me smile on the inside. But as I sing with joy this side of heaven, I weep with that verse as well because there are people who I know and love who are very dear to me who are currently in that number who will be crushed by the risen king on that final day unless they repent and turn to him in faith. It is a song that has been sung in heaven. And so however hard it is to sing here, there must be something within our hearts that rejoices and longs for the day when the prostitute is no more and when the destructive rule of Babylon is no more in our world, however hard that might be. Firstly, Babylon has been unmasked as the terrible foe that it is. Secondly, Babylon will be destroyed. Jesus will crush Babylon and she will not rise again. And then thirdly, the church must respond. Church, come out, says Jesus, verse 4 and 5 of chapter 18. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. It is a call to God's people to come out of Babylon. And he gives us two reasons. One, that you will not share in her sins. And two, that you will not share in her judgments. And when Jesus speaks to the church as he does today, I hope you're hearing him. When Jesus speaks to the church about coming out, he's not speaking about a physical withdrawal. He's not saying that we need to become monks and go and hide away up a monastery up on a hill somewhere. It's not a physical withdrawal that he's talking about. That's definitely not the thrust of scripture, is it? To remove ourselves physically from this world. Remember Daniel himself in Babylon. He didn't withdraw himself physically from Babylon. In fact, he dined at the top table. He was prime minister over Babylon. But what he did do was withdraw spiritually. He refused to be drawn in to the godless culture around him. And you know where it ended up? In the lion's den. Because he refused to pray to the king of Babylon and he said, my life only for the one true God of heaven. Daniel resolved, he committed in his heart to go in God's way and not the way of the world. And here we're called to do exactly the same thing, to be in the world, but not of it. We're called to live in a Babylonian-like world, a proud world that has set itself up against God, and that's exactly where we're called to be, in it. But to live distinctly from it, to withdraw spiritually in that sense. Come out of her, my people, says Jesus, come out. You see, there will always be two competing voices for your time and your attention. The seductive whisper of the prostitute says come with me will you come golden cup looks good look at what i'm offering taste be satisfied but please remember what's inside the cup it's full of poison and it will lead to eternal ruin but then in contrast you have the the gracious wise and perfect words of the lord jesus calling to his church And saying, come out, come out and make a stand for me in this world. And there's no doubt people here today 
who need to come out of Babylon for the first time to turn from this godless world and to turn to Christ and to put your trust in him. Will you do that this morning? Now Babylon has been exposed for who she really is, mask taken off. Will you come out for the first time and trust the one who came to give life and not take life? But for everyone else here, if that's not you, if you already trusted in the Lord Jesus, if you know him and love him and are following him, then will you come out? Will you turn away from sin? Will you turn away from those things in this godless culture that that, that demand your time, that stops you giving it to God? Repentance, you see, isn't a one-off activity. It's not something we just do upon conversion. Repentance is a daily exercise of separating ourselves from sin and giving ourselves fully in devotion to God. Babylon has been unmasked as the evil and terrible foe that she is. Babylon will be destroyed, crushed beneath the feet of Jesus. She will hit the bottom and she will not return. How should the church respond? How should we respond today to the voice of Jesus as he speaks to us? Come out. Come out of this world. Turn away from our sin in order that we might give ourselves fully to the glory of God. And as we come to the Lord's table now, there's an opportunity for us to do that, to reflect in our own hearts. To ask ourselves the question, what does it look like for me to come out of Babylon? Maybe for the first time and trust Christ. To eat of the bread and drink of the wine and know what it means that Christ gave everything for me. Maybe for others it's to renew that commitment in our own heart in view of all that Christ gave, continues to give. That we would renew our commitment to him for living all of life for his glory. Why don't you just take a moment now to reflect and then Neil's going to come and lead us as we share bread and wine together.